So today we hear that famous story from the book of Daniel, the three God-fearing men who refused to bow down to the king's pagan statue, even when they were threatened to be thrown into the blazing furnace, they stayed true to their God. These men are a powerful witness to us of faithfulness and trust in God. They say, even if our God doesn't save us, we will not bow down to that image. See, they, they knew that having faith in God doesn't always mean that we will be spared of short-term pain. But, of course, they had every confidence in the long-term gain from their faithfulness and trust in God, right? But have you ever wondered why they didn't just oblige to the king's request? You know, they could have just bowed to that statue and in their hearts just said, God, look, we don't mean it, you know, we're just doing it. <laughs> have you ever wondered that? You think you might do that? I think I probably would have. Who knows? <laughs> Why didn't they do that? Were they afraid that their God would punish them, would strike them down if they did that? I don't think so. I think they were too spiritually mature to think that. I think they knew how spiritually damaging it is when we put our security or our identity or our worth or our trust in anything but God. You see, the way that idols work is that they promise to give us what in truth only God can give us. That's, how, that's what idols do. They say, I'll give you what you need. I'll give you happiness. I'll give you security. When in fact only God can do it. And, and, and as they do that, as idols work in us, what they do is they occupy territory in our soul which is made for God. Idols prevent us from recognising God and accessing the life that God wants to give us. And, and we see a classic example of it today in the Gospel with the Jews. These are Jews that follow Jesus, that believed in Jesus, but Jesus says, because nothing I say has penetrated into you, they just couldn't get it. They couldn't access what Jesus was putting before them, as with many of the religious leaders of the time. It seems like they, they had too many other distractions in their soul, too many idols that were preventing them from really connecting with what Jesus was saying. Now, we might not have a big golden statue in our houses that we bow down to. I don't know any golden statues at home, no? Magella? No, no, no. no. <laughs> Just checking. <laughs> Just checking. <laughs> but the reality is, that our human heart is an idol-making machine, right? An idol is simply something that absorbs your heart and your mind more than God. Have you got any of those floating around at the moment? <laughs> Idols are, are those concerns that drive our life, the things that we look to for comfort, for confidence, for strength. And, and of course, there are the more obvious ones, aren't there? Possessions and status, success in some arena, the exercise of power, body image, you know, the, the obvious items. But then there are ones that, that are lurking beneath the surface. Comfort, you know, the idol of comfort, the idol of control, the need to sort of control everything in my life, uh, the, the idol of approval, 
that idol of the need to be needed. Even our religious activity can be an idol, right? If it's coming from the wrong spirit. One way of discovering your idol is to notice what you would find really hard to lose. If, for example, you lost your position as president of a local sporting club, if, that, if the idea of that would really rattle you, then it's probably because it's an idol, right? All of these idols, all of these values, they promise security and happiness. But ultimately, they will not only disappoint us because they're limited and they're finite, but they will also distort our life in the process because idols turn our focus away from God. They take up God's territory in our soul. They distort our lives. That's why God is so strong on speaking against them. That's why these three men were so adamant about not bowing down to the idol. If we want to be growing spiritually, we need to be constantly on the lookout for idols in our life because we're so, so good at making them. <laughs> and, and, and often they can be just so hidden, right? So we need to be on the lookout constantly. Where are the idols in my life? And, and Lent, in a particular way, is a time for us to identify our idols. What's taking the place of God? What's taking up God's territory in my soul? And we do that not to condemn ourselves, but, but to do the work that will liberate our soul, right? That, that will draw us closer to God and to life and to flourishing. So a few steps I want to suggest for working through our idols, for... Um, For letting them go in our lives. Firstly, um, we need to notice it. Notice the idol, just accept it um, and uh, acknowledge it. Uh, but also to understand what is behind it. What, what are we looking for in this particular? What, what, what's my soul? What's the deeper need behind this idol? See, often our, our idols, they begin as healthy things, right? I begin going to the gym because I want to look after my body, I want to be, you know, healthy. But then we pursue that and pursue that and we get hold on to that tighter and tighter and that can become an idol, right? Like I need to be perfectly chiseled, <laughs> um, whatever it may be. But we need to ask ourselves when we, when we identify that idol, what, what's my deeper need here? Is it acceptance? Is that, is that what I'm looking for? Is it security? Just to identify it. Because it is a good need, deep down. Secondly, to repent of that idol, to bring it to the Lord. And, and of course, the sacrament of reconciliation is particularly helpful for that. And, and thirdly, we need to replace our idol. We need to recognise what that deep need is, that good need, and uh, seek to meet that need in a, in a healthy, sustainable way. How can I meet that need for security or for acceptance or... or or love, or whatever it may be, in a way that's actually um, of God. The, the Bible's ultimate answer to idols is worship. Taking your worship away from uh, finite things, things that, are, that, that aren't God, and instead placing your worship on the one, or turning your worship towards the one who is ultimate. 
taking your heart and your mind, uh, turning your heart and your mind towards the one who will never distort your life, but will always bring out your best potential.